Welcome back to In Search of Tarot, a podcast that utilizes the cards to examine new questions, question any answer, and reimagine the possibilities of our lives. My name is Nick Kepley, and I am honored to be your host. In Search of Tarot is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly, and so the project is entirely sustained by the generosity of our Patreon community. For as little as $2 a month, you can support this podcast, making it possible for me to bring you even more incredible guests and thought-provoking conversations. Head over to patreon.com slash manofthecards for more information and to join. Please know that you lend support simply through the act of listening and sharing this podcast with others. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave a rating and review, however short. This is the quickest and easiest way to help these conversations reach more ears. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this very special Q&A episode of the podcast. Um, This is something that I've done once before. I did it almost a year ago. Um, I did it last December. And a lot of you had reached out saying that you enjoyed that episode and I thought that this Halloween uh, spooky season time might be a fun moment to go back to that format um, and just chat with you a little bit. Um, Before I start, I do want to acknowledge that even though this is called a question and answer, I do not have all the answers or any answers. I have my own responses to your questions I have my own stories I'm happy to share with you, my own experiences, but um, I would not really call any of them answers. Um, I would call this, I I should have called this call and response rather than Q&A. And the other thing I want to say about that is obviously my ideal as a Libra would be to have a dialogue about this with you, about all these questions, um, rather than monologuing as I'm going to do today. So, um, you know, I hope that that you get something out of my responses. Um, mainly, I hope that they add more questions to your arsenal and give you new thoughts. Um, and just know that I am curious, you know, what your thoughts are, um, what comes up for you as I'm talking. And if I had my druthers, we would be seated around a campfire all together. Um, enjoying a delicious beverage and having a a discussion and a dialogue because that's what I love the most. So this is what I have here to offer you on the podcast. This is the best I can do for now, but I just wanted to kind of honor that that would be probably more beneficial for everyone. Um, So yeah, I really appreciated all of you responding. I reached out first via Patreon Um, Thank you to all the amazing supporters I have over on Patreon. Um, I reached out first there, and then I opened it out to the wider community at large on Instagram, asking for your questions, uh, anything that was on your mind about tarot and your tarot practice. And we got some really great questions. Um, I'm going to start off with some kind of lighter ones, and then I'm going to move into a couple of really heavy ones. really deep ones and uh, kind of give my thoughts on that. So I'll start with a series of three questions that I think kind of all 
um, that my response to all of them sort of tie together. So I'm going to read all the questions at once and then kind of uh, go from there. So uh, the questions are, do you ever like approaching the tarot without a question? And if so, how do you do so for others? How has tarot helped your inner and outer world explorations recently? And what is your favorite method for reading for yourself lately? So I love these, love that it's about a question. Um, my favorite way of reading for myself right now um, also ties into how I approach tarot without a question for others. So as of late, and this is something that I will definitely shout out Danielle Park at Oak Moon Tarot. Um, Danielle is how I first heard of this method of reading where you literally are just sitting down with your deck and having a dialogue, having sort of a call and response as I, as I talk about that. Um, and just kind of seeing what comes up and where it takes you and letting yourself feel finished whenever you're finished. So lately I have very much liked sitting down with my deck of cards and sort of just saying, um, you know, sometimes it, there will be something particular on my mind um, you know, a, a reason that I'm feeling like I want to sit down with the deck and I'll kind of just say, you know, where, where am I at with this? Or recently I asked, um, how does this look? You know, I, I, I was feeling at the time a little bit like I was having a hard time, um, even knowing how I felt about the situation. And so I just said, you know, how, like, what is a card that visually depicts, how I feel right now, you know, and, and it felt comforting because it, it allowed a physicalization um, and a visual depiction of a very messy internal emotional state that I was in. You know, it felt really comforting to sort of see that illustrated. Um, and so I started there and then I literally just talk out loud. Um, I, you know, sort of say, okay, yes, that's definitely where I'm at, you know, and I just keep talking until the next sort of prompt, either the next prompt comes to mind, or I continue to, con to, to shuffle the entire time I'm talking, just kind of overhand shuffling, and I wait for a card to, to fly out. And what I found is that it's interesting, a lot of times, the card won't fly out until I get to the next kind of, uh, you know, road uh, marker in the road or the next question kind of arises. And then I, I find that a card will will fly out at the right time. And similarly with my clients, um, which I haven't, I haven't been working with clients this for about a month now. I'm sort of taking a little step back from that and kind of reevaluating how I want to approach that. But um, when I was still working with clients um, earlier in the fall and late summer, um, I started to experiment with this with clients as well, where I would, you know, sort of invite them to start talking about what was on their mind and and kind of where they were at and what, what brought them to the reading. And I would begin to overhand shuffle as they were talking. And then a card would fly out, you know, eventually. And that would be our starting place. Um, we would just kind of go from there. And I, we would talk and sort of when I felt, when I felt like we were, ready for the next, um, you know, uh, prompt or the next, um, place to go from, from there, I would just start to overhand shuffle again and, and a card would fly out and we would just 
go. And honestly, it just, it, we just keep doing that until it feels like we have either come to, you know, a resolution or a stopping place, or we literally are just out of time. Um, but it's, I've really, really loved it. I found it really freeing. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I never have felt, um, very good at making spreads or really very interested in making them. Um, and not that I think there's anything wrong with spreads. I think they can be, you know, fantastic. Um, but I've always kind of wanted something a bit more free. Um, and this has been feeling good lately. This has been feeling, you know, really helpful. Um, and, uh, and that, that the answer to the third question here, you know, how has tarot helped my inner and outer world explanation explorations recently, I would say that it really has been helping to just look for visual depictions of how I'm feeling. Um, I, I've had some stuff going on in my uh, muggle work that has been really, really hard. And that's left me feeling really kind of confused and disoriented and um, really overwhelmed. And the tarot has been helping me create a visual depiction of how I'm feeling, which has helped me kind of make sense of some of my feelings. Um, yeah. So I think that answers the questions. Um, I, I've really, I've just really been loving it. I really thank Danielle for sharing that, that method. I don't know. I don't know if she, you know, created that or if she learned that somewhere, but um, if you don't follow Oak Moon Tarot or um, don't know who Danielle is, I really recommend um, hopping over there. Um, Danielle was a guest on the podcast last season. It's a great interview with her speaking about a lot about Enneagram, um, which she and her partner also um, work with a lot and the way that it interacts with tarot. So if you're interested in that, there's a good episode of the podcast um, in the archive from that. All right. So my next question is a bit deeper, a bit richer, or not Not that the other ones weren't rich, but this one just dives, um, it's a bit more complicated, I guess, um, a bit more theoretical. So this question says, I signed up to a free introduction to witchcraft course just for fun, and the lesson I've just listened to is all about gods and goddesses. How can we relate to these deities without falling into the known pitfalls of classic tarot interpretations. So interesting. Um, obviously, this is kind of a, a favorite topic of mine, um, gods and goddesses and masculine, feminine, and, uh, you know, what is all that? What does all that mean? I guess the first thing I want to say in response to this is that I really feel like any god or goddess um, across you know, cultures and time and space is always, always just us attempting to point to something that is greater than us and something that is like beyond words and beyond language. And, and I would say even beyond physicality, um, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with us wanting to, um, see ourselves in the divine. Um, certainly, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really natural. But I think it's really important. And something that I only lately have feel like I've really even started to understand deeper is that these depictions of gods and goddesses, as we read about them, and 
as we hear about them and therefore as they start to kind of conjure up in our minds, um, they are they are just pointing to something. They are not, We none of us can say that we know for sure what they are, where they are, who they are, you know, and they look and feel and sound and interact differently for each of us. Same with masculine and feminine, you know, those are words that look and sound and feel different to each person that thinks of them. And yet we think that they are, uh, you know, sort of ubiquitous, um, but really they're, they're quite individual. So I don't think that that necessarily takes away from someone wanting to work with, you know, deities. There's not, obviously nothing wrong with that. I think it's just really remembering not to cling too tightly, I guess, to your depiction because, you know, other people may have different experiences with those deities and different ways that they think of them. And your personal practice is obviously your personal practice, but other people can have their own personal practice. And I think we have to really not become gatekeepers around that. And then in terms of the tarot, I think my simple answer for that would be, I don't necessarily think that gods and goddesses are tied in with the tarot. Um, I don't necessarily think that relating to deities necessarily has anything to do with tarot at all. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the, the archetypes of the tarot, um, I guess could be tied in with those archetypes of deities, but I think that they really are more archetypes of us, you know, the, the tarot, I, I believe so firmly that the tarot relates to our lives and, and reflects our lives, our lived experiences. And so I, I think that I prefer to really ground the tarot in modern context and in, in our daily life and our lived experiences. Um, so any gods and goddesses tying in there would only, would sort of be our own, our own, uh, I guess, experiences with those deities, you know, our own ideas or ways that we work with them. But I don't know necessarily that the tarot is depicting those or reflecting those. Um, certainly the art might be drawing from interpretations of it, but I think that for me, the meanings behind them uh, is, is meant to be a bit more um, kind of lived and modern, if that makes sense. So I, I think, I think one way of approaching this is just to kind of separate the two a little bit. Um, I don't know that they necessarily have to overlap. I hope that's helpful. Um, okay, my next question is, how do you work through issues related to cultural appropriation with tarot? I'm new to exploring spirituality outside of my Christian past, and every once in a while I run into something that feels like it could be heading into the appropriation zone. I want to be mindful of my privileges heading into these practices and make sure I'm only using what's mine to use and not causing any harm along the way. Well, I think this is fantastic that you're asking this question. Um, I think honestly that you are ahead of a lot of people um, and 
Um, I think it's, it's great that you're, that you're realizing this and, um, you know, and, and one important thing to think about even, uh, you know, I'm sure you've reflected on this, uh, but with your Christian past is the way that Christianity has, um, you know, pulled and appropriated and, uh, threaded together, you know, many different things. And, I think that that is what is complicated. I mean, I think there are two pieces to this. I think there is definitely, there are definitely practices. Um, I, I, I guess I think that the first thing to do, which it sounds like you're doing, is as you encounter different spiritual tools or rituals or, you know, uh, advice or books or anything, to try to dig in and, and figure out where did this come from? Um, what is the lineage of this? Um, the tarot is no different. Um, a, a, you know, a big piece of the tarot that I think gets left out a lot is the Romani piece of it. Um, and the, the real harm that was done there to the Romani people and their, their role in the history of tarot. Um, but also the, the, the golden dawn and the 18th and 19th century occultists that were sort of just cobbling together, um, you know, the Kabbalah without really having any true understanding of, of what they were talking about and, you know, supposedly bringing in Egyptian magic and, and pagan things and all different things. And really it was just sort of, um, it was just invented, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, most of what we have in the world is invented, but it's, it's important to remember that. So, um, you know, I think the first piece is, like I said, is digging into, okay, where did this come from? You know, where, who, who, who invented this? Um, you know, what, what is this lineage? And then from there asking yourself, you know, is, is that mine to use, you know, am I, am I of this lineage? Um, is there any way that I, you know, is the person I'm learning from learning about this from, are they, actually of this lineage? Are they trained in this lineage? Um, you know, where, where did they get this? You know, are they acknowledging where this came from? And then, you know, I think that it's important for me to say as a white person that our, as I dig more and more into what that means to be white and, and the actual history of being white, um, it is a story of appropriation you know, it is a story of colonization and appropriation. And in a lot of ways, I think that my role is to step back, um, to, to just step back and, you know, give the very overdue time of acknowledging this isn't mine. You know, um, I think it's past time to do that. It's past time that white people really realize where these uh, you know, traditions and rituals came from and how they have also been. I was just listening to a podcast about, uh, it's, it was actually about the magical uh, life and writing of Toni Morrison um, on Missing Witches podcast. If anyone listens to M Missing Witches podcast, it's a great episode. And the author of a new book about Toni Morrison was saying, was pointing out how non-white um, traditions that have been colonized, oftentimes it's been painted that they're magical, that, that their spiritual beliefs are quote unquote magical, um, that they are not actually rooted in true belief um, or not worthy of being sort of taken, you know, quote unquote seriously. 
And so therefore they are sort of magical and also that they are evil. Therefore, you know, such as voodoo, hoodoo, um, and even just the African-American church and different, uh, different African-American folklore um, and the way that those stories, th this author was pointing out that Toni Morrison was of the belief, or apparently Toni Morrison didn't like to use the phrase magical realism to describe her work because she was saying, this is not, it's not a, a narrative device. Uh, I'm not trying to use magical realism from an authorial standpoint. I'm trying to point to the fact that this is the actual way that these are, these are the actual beliefs of these people, you know, of African-American people and of African people. And this is actual spirituality that they actually lived and actually believed. It's not, it's not some sort of, you know, fantasy story, uh, you know, it's, and it, it's not magic. It, it's not sort of magic in the way that we think of, you know, casting a spell. It's, it's actual belief, you know, and I think that's, that's really powerful and really important. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sort of rambling, but I think that the best advice I could give you, which it, like I said, it sounds like you're doing is to really investigate. Um, and tarot, you know, I think with tarot, a big piece of that is the art. A huge piece of that is the art. Who is the artist? What is their background? Um, and do they have the, you know, are they of the lineage to be creating the the art that they're making um, or using the the names, the titles and the words and the visuals that they are making? Um, you know, and I and I think that particularly, you know, in with modern nowadays with modern decks, more and more artists are getting so much better about naming those things, um, explaining where they're, where they're coming from, explaining, you know, their background. And, and uh, so the ones who are still not doing that, I think it's okay to question that and not support that because I think um, the majority of, you know, well thought out tarot artistry right now is really putting these kinds of questions at the forefront and really trying to not cause harm um, in their work, you know, as they should be. So yeah, I, I wish you well on your journey. It sounds like you are at the beginning of an exciting road. Um, and I also, I guess, want to say that there's nothing wrong with learning about many cultures. I mean, that is a wonderful, beautiful thing to do. And I think it's interesting to learn about the history of, you know, spiritual cultures and to start to see the, where the threads do overlap and, and where influence has come from. Um, and then to allow that to make your own practice more and more individualized and more and more focused on your true lineage and what, what is really yours to claim. I think that it, it can feel overwhelming at first when you go down this rabbit hole because you start to feel like, well, there's nothing that's mine or, you know, I, I mean, I, I, as a white person, I, I know that feeling of, um, you know, well, what even is mine? Because the entire history, like I was saying, of, of being white is sort of appropriating and, and colonizing. But I think when, as you start to dive in deeper and get past the feeling of overwhelm, for me, I have found a lot of power um, from that because I've realized, oh, okay, well, 
So let me weed this out and that out and this, you know, and these things. And now what am I left with? You know, for myself as a queer person, a lot of that has come from my own queer identity um, and kind of working with my own sense of just my body and, and my queerness as a sense, as a source of magic. And if nothing else, you do have, you know, you have your body, you have where you are, who you are, and what you do know. And there can be a lot of magic even just in that. So I hope that helps. Um, all right. And then the final question that I got, which is uh, fun and sort of uh, simple, is any tips for combining Oracle decks with tarot or using multiple decks with the same reading? Yes, I love Oracle decks. I'm starting to work with them even more without the tarot, just on their own. But I definitely, basically, I, I really never do a reading without integrating Oracle decks in some way. Um, I find that Oracle decks can be great clarifiers. So if you pull a card and you're really stumped by what it's trying to tell you, you can you know pull an Oracle card as a clarifier on that. Um, I always love doing that. I also really, really love to close with Oracle cards. Um, I sort of ask the question, um, I, I, I sort of ask the cards to like sum up um, the message. Um, or sometimes I'll say, you know, is there anything I missed? Is there any last bit of um, wisdom that wants to come through, you know, that I might have missed? And I'll close a reading with an Oracle card. Um, and then as far as multiple decks, yes, I whenever I do birthday readings, I like to pull. I like to use one deck to pull out the uh, the querent or my own um, birth card and card of the year from the previous year that that I'm leaving and card of the year that I'm going into. And then I'll use a different deck to pull more expanded, you know, sort of lessons and gifts from from years past and and the year ahead. And I like to use another deck for that because sometimes the same card comes up more than once. And I, I like that. I like that, um, you know, it shows up and it sort of says, okay, really, this is really something to pay attention to. Um, so that's a way that I like to, to work with multiple decks. Um, I have always wanted to cobble together my own like dream tarot deck where I could like combine my favorite versions of cards from all different decks, but it just seems hard because obviously they're different sizes. The, the backs are, you know, different art. Um, so I haven't quite figured out a good way to do that yet, but I, I definitely always um, wish I could do that. I'm sure a lot of you feel the same because, you know, I, I have my favorites in each deck. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I love to do that. And I know people that, that do um, work with multiple decks um, and and do shuffle them together you know there there are some people i know that likes to like to shuffle their oracle deck into their tarot deck and and use it like that so in general i would just encourage you to play you know i mean that's that's really the name of the game at the end of the day don't forget that tarot was was a game it was invented as a game you know meant, meant used as a game for a long time um and sometimes we start to take it very seriously but it is it is at its core and at its heart, a game. So happy, happy playing, um, happy tarrowing. Thank you for these questions. I hope that you got something out of these responses. Um, as always, I welcome any any further discussion um, via DM on Instagram or at manofthecards at gmail.com. Um, and I will be back next week with another 
it'll either be next week or the week after. I will be honest about that. Um, but, but there is more to come this season, uh, a great episode on its way. And, uh, until then stay happy, stay safe, stay healthy. And thanks for listening. In Search of Tarot is hosted, edited, and produced by Nick Kepley. Theme music was written and recorded by A.J. Ackleson. A transcript of this episode is available online at manofthecards.com transcripts. 